Library day at school. Sounds boring, I know, but to a third grader, it was freedom. Freedom from the lecture of the classroom and the seemingly endless busy work. The reason it was so exciting was because it gave us another opportunity to grab the greatest book in the library. I'm Dr. Levi Skipper, Evangelism Catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and you're listening to No Sweat Evangelism, my podcast designed to help you make sharing your faith simple. Every kid raced for the same book. Every kid wanted it. What book? The Guinness World Record book. It wasn't the articles that were fascinating. It was the pictures, the crazy pictures. All the other kids gather around the keeper of the book, and they would gawk at the pages. Like the woman who holds the record for the fastest 100-meter hurdles wearing swim fins. The man with the stretchiest skin, the largest rubber band ball, and always the popular woman with the longest fingernails. I can still hear the kids trying to hold back their laughs. Some covered their mouths in shock at what they were seeing, and the librarian, that poor woman with one finger over her tightly closed lips, constantly reminding us that we were in a library. This memory flooded my mind while I was recently scrolling my online newsfeed. A random article was on my computer screen about a Guinness World Record setter named Christian Engelbrecht. He's a regular-looking guy, medium build, dark hair, fair skin, a 5 o'clock shadow on his face from not shaving regularly. He looks to be in his early to mid-20s. He boasts about the opportunity to break several Guinness World Records. And by the way, breaking one of the Guinness World Records is not an easy feat. I know, I researched it. You first have to settle on a record that you want to beat. You've got to officially apply and wait to receive the guidelines from Guinness. Getting a response can leave you waiting for about 12 weeks. And after your response comes from Guinness, then you have to fully understand all the requirements and evidence needed to prove your attempt was successful, that you had, in fact, broken a record. Then you have to practice, man, practice, practice, practice. And finally, you carry out the feat. But you've got to have an official, independent witness and other specialist on site. You have to have a photographer and a videographer present to record the entire event. Once all of that is complete, you submit your evidence, your cover letter, and all the required documents. And if the Guinness people feel you have succeeded, you will be notified. Then you can hold the great title of being in the Guinness World Record book. Back to Christian Engelbrecht, the one who set more than one world record. What did he do, you ask? Well, all of his records have dealt with the same thing, dominoes. He writes, I have participated in many unusual topples, from toppling dominoes while upside down, setting up nearly 12,000 of them underwater, creating a 72-square-mile portrait of Steve Jobs, consisting of 150,000 dominoes, and even breaking a world record in Germany. The two-inch rectangles. That's right, Engelbrecht holds records for the longest-lasting domino chains. He has stated before, breaking a world record is an incredible feeling. Have you ever lined up dominoes? I have. Mine fell over, no doubt, in less than 10 seconds. Do you know how long Christian Engelbrecht's took to fall over? Over four minutes. Now listen, that may not seem like a long time to you, but to accomplish such a feat took hours, days in fact, just to prepare. What fascinates me about the whole domino skill is that all of the excitement begins with a single two-inch rectangle. One single domino. Just one. One two-inch piece of wood starts a chain reaction that influences over a million dominoes to fall. I know what you're thinking. What do dominoes 
have to do with making Jesus known to others? Well, believe it or not, there's a small two-inch domino that you can push over that will have a chain reaction in your life. But you've got to choose to push this domino over. And before I tell you what that initial domino is, I want to tell you what it is not. The domino is not guilt. Having grown up in the church and served as a pastor for over 15 years, I've learned that guilt is not a good motivator. Don't get me wrong. Now, I've imposed guilt on my life to motivate me to share Jesus with others. In fact, I've convinced myself before that I'm a sorry, no good follower of Christ if I'm not sharing the gospel with other people. I've also imposed guilt on others in the context of the church in order to motivate them to share Christ. And while the guilt may work for a season, it doesn't create a chain reaction in someone's life. But there is a domino that can make all the difference for you. It has for me. It has for many others. And this one spiritual domino has led me to delight in sharing Christ with others. I've even witnessed this one spiritual domino lead others to share Jesus freely. What is the two-inch spiritual domino to push over? What is the motivating factor to become someone who shares Jesus with others? It's the spiritual domino of prayer. To be more specific, it's praying for lost people by name. It's an amazing thing that happens when you pray. When I pray for the salvation of another by name, God begins to work. First off, our faith is built knowing that God is working on that person's heart whom we're praying for. You see, only God can free a person from the slavery of sin, as we read in Romans 6:17. Only God can remove Satan's blinding influence in someone's life, as we also read in 2 Corinthians 4:4. 4, 4. Only God can give an individual a new heart, Ezekiel 11:19. Only God, not you, not me. You've got to ask him to work, and when you ask him, he does. When I pray for the salvation of another by name, God not only works on their heart, He also works on my heart. Matter of fact, He opens my eyes to others who are far from Him. It's like getting a new car. You, you think you're the only one with that car on the road, but then all of a sudden you begin to see the same kind of car everywhere you go. Those cars have always been there. You just didn't notice them until you got your new car. When I pray for lost people by name, God opens my eyes to people all around me who are far from Him. They were always there. I just hadn't noticed them. God works in them. God works on me. And I would also add that God works on our circumstances. I pray for my neighbor Scott for quite some time. Scott is in his mid-50s. He's tall and talkative. He's the kind of guy who never meets a stranger. He's in sales. No doubt he does a fantastic job. I began praying for him after realizing that he was unchurched and didn't have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, my whole family did, and we prayed for him by name. And you know what happened? God put Scott everywhere. I kept running into him over and over. In fact, we have a pond in our neighborhood. I go fishing from time to time, and one evening, guess who came down to the pond? Scott Darby. I would start to drive out of our neighborhood. Guess who I would see? Scott Darby. And while praying for him, I got the idea to invite him to lunch. He agreed to go. And over a meal at a local diner in Cleveland, Georgia, I shared Christ with him. He had questions, and I did my very best to answer his questions. You'll hear from Scott in just a minute. But before that, what am I asking you to do? Make a list and start praying for individuals by name. Now, in order to help you do this, think about where you live, work, and play. 
Ask yourself these very simple questions. Is there someone far from God where I live? Now, this includes your home, your family members, your entire neighborhood. Just begin to write those names down. Here's another question. Is there someone far from God where I work? It could be in your local business. It could be in your school. But where you work, are there people there who do not know the Lord? Write down their names. And is there someone far from God where I play? Uh, This includes any extracurricular activities that you and your family are involved in. For example, when my family is involved in sports because we have four children, whenever we go to the ball field, whenever we go to the rowing center, one of the things that we are actively doing is looking for people who are far from God. Write down their names and begin praying for their salvation. You may be surprised to see what God will do when you push over that first domino. What, does it mess you up to think that somebody was praying for you by name? (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, You're not the only one, and you're not the first, and you won't be the last. (laughs) Well, one thing I know when we started praying for you by name, that led me to, you know, want to hang out with you more, you know, really because I wanted to see you come to know the Lord. But I know we went and had lunch together at Creekside Deli, I think it was. In the midst of that conversation, I realized what you were doing is you were comparing your life to other people's lives. And when you did that, you checked up pretty well. I mean, you were a good guy all in all. And you really were. I mean, I would agree with that. But I think uh, it was at that point in time we talked about well, you're not compared to other people. You're actually compared to Christ. It only took you three times of saying that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Levi, you said uh, you said the third time you said, Scott, you keep comparing yourself to other people, because that's where my mind was. I would sit there and go, man, but I know people that go to church and they claim to be Christians, but they're just not what I call a good person all the time, so to speak. And I was naive at that. And then I realized that's not what it's all about anyway, uh, because... you know, we're, none of us are going to be perfect, and we're not supposed to judge, and which is still hard to do. Um, I know that's human nature, uh, but yeah, you, your third time of saying that, and I'll never forget you. <laughs> you drew a line on the table, and you said, "Scott, I think you're right here. I want you to cross that line and get over here with the rest of us." Uh, you know, and and I thought, "Wow!" And of course, I was at that point. I don't know how I don't know how close that was to when I actually got saved. That may have been years after that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I'm trying to encourage people to do is pray for lost people by name. And really, that was you know what we did when it came to you. I, I realized you didn't have a relationship with the Lord, so we just put your name on a board. Like my whole family was praying for you. So when you came and told me you're giving your heart to Christ, I was like, praise the Lord. I mean, the Lord answered that prayer. So as you're moving forward now. Um, you know, what would you say to anybody who may be listening to this podcast um, about praying for people by name? Would you encourage that? Oh, 100%. Scott eventually visited a church in our community, not mine, and God saved him. I mean, he was radically changed. His wife wrote my wife and I on our Facebook page. You have a special place in our hearts. You are neighbors and friends first. But those talks that Levi and Scott had at the pond were priceless. I know those prayers and conversations led Scott to getting saved two years ago. What began that chain reaction? 
a two-inch spiritual domino called prayer. God, save Scott. Open his eyes. Use me to share the gospel with him. I wonder what your two-inch spiritual domino might start. If you would like to be more effective in your personal witness and remove those self-imposed obstacles we all encounter when sharing our faith, download our free report, 10 Ways Well-Meaning Christians Sabotage Gospel Conversations at 10evangelismmistakes.com. That's 1010evangelismmistakes.com. Do us a favor. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. It really helps. This has been a production of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Special thanks to our producer, John Graham. And stay tuned, my Jesus-following friends. Another episode is on the horizon.